Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, your host. I'm here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. And once again, I'm with Adam. Adam is an RA here at the Nicolay Bible Institute, was a student last year. And um, I've been able to have the privilege of getting to know him the last two years. And I think God will use him in a significant way in his life as he, as he continues to walk with him and enjoy who God is and enjoy people. You know, I've always appreciated, Adam, your, your love for your family. You don't see that all the time, and and you do you you verbally and and you obviously care for your family, and I think that's a real um, important aspect to have in life. A lot of people get your age, and they like keeping their distance from the family. I'm not sure, I'm yeah. percent sure why, but uh, you do enjoy your family. Oh yeah, I love my family. I have four brothers, so growing up it was a hoot and a holler, doing all boy stuff and whatever, and. I kind of had the attitude. I was like, ah, I don't really need friends when I have so many siblings. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah, you needed a few more for a football team, but you did. Right. You did okay. We had a basketball team. Yeah, you had a so. basketball team that worked. <laughs> that worked out great. If if you were to say it, right now, your generation, your thought process, what in life would you pursue, or what in life would make you happy? Hmm. Because a lot of people your age aren't happy. Right. I mean, they're yeah. struggling with anxiety, depression, anger. Yep. Mm-hmm. So what in life would make you happy? Um, I think my aspect and my thought process has changed as I've gotten older. Because okay. I think when I was younger, I think more of my attitude was when I get to a certain age, I need to be married. I need to have a financial job. I need to be able to do so and so and right, so, right. et cetera. And I think now that I've, honestly, since I've been here at MBI, um, I think my aspect has changed more to I'd love to, you know, serve the Lord to the fullest extent that I can do and praise him and bring others closer to him. And I think God has been working that way in my life. And I've seen it a little bit and I've seen God change other people's lives. And it's, it's amazing to see. And that's really what's been making me happy the last two years for sure. Okay. Um, so as God uses you to help other people, you find great joy in that. I do. Now, what's interesting is that how he, that's how he made all of us. And, right. and the reason people are so miserable, I think, in life is because we become self-centered, self-focused. So now my relationships have to be about me. Yep. My money has to be about, well, me. Hmm. My time, well, you know what that has to be about. Me. Yeah, me. <laughs> so now all of a sudden everything is about me. Yeah. Well, that's not going to work because nope. you're not made that way. You're actually made to die to yourself. And so when you actually die to yourself, when you get to practice that, you actually find out, boy, that actually was, that that was good. Yeah. I enjoyed that. Well, it's like, yeah, you were made that way. It's kind of like you go out and exercise, and when you're done, you get that exercise high. It's like, that felt good. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, I wonder why. Right. Now, when somebody gets the right amount of sleep, it feels good mm-hmm. when somebody gets the right amount of exercise. Feels good. Yep. Now they could say, "I want to feel good without those things." Yeah. And I look at them and say, "Well, sorry, that's not how it works." Yeah. It's it's kind of like I want to eat garbage food that I like and not gain weight. <laughs> no, that's not how it's made. Actually, if you eat this food, you'll enjoy it while it slides down your throat. As it hits your stomach, though, it doesn't Once it hits great. your stomach, <laughs> it's like, I don't feel too yep. well. <laughs> so, 
you need to be careful because then in order to keep happy, you have to eat more. Mm-hmm. Slides to the stomach, I don't feel well. Got to eat more. Yep. Slides to the stomach, don't feel well. Anyone picking up a pattern here? <laughs> there's there's a pattern of misery. Yep. And if you keep going to eat more to feel better, look out. Yep. So. What does it always say, Dave? If you hit your head on a rock, it's going to hurt your head. That's right. <laughs> that's right. I, you've been listening to people who say that too much. Yep. Um, well, at the end of your life, you, you, you die, you're in this box, people are going by your casket. If you could hear them, what would you, what would you consider it to be successful if they said what about you? Ooh. You know, the selfish, worldly part of me would want them to say something along the lines of my name was great, you know, right. that I impacted a lot of people, maybe not even, you know, spiritually, but worldly. But really, I would love to hear that I helped even just one person come to Christ. Okay, I'd love to hear that. And I think perspective wise, that, that'd be one of the wisest things, because at this moment, you'll be with Christ. Mm-hmm. And you're going to look and go, man, people need to be with me with Christ one day. So all the other stuff isn't going to matter. It's almost as if you'll be successful if people go, who is that? (laughs) Right. (laughs) They come by and go, "Who, who is that? But they're at the funeral because somehow your life impacted them. Yep. But they're not 100% sure how or who. Yep. Um, I think that's one of the great, um, one of the great, challenges for the church in America and church anywhere is how do we do things and not be the focus of them? Right. When the whole world is like, you need to focus on me. And yep. and that's how I get my worth. Um, your generation, like I said, is suffering greatly from anxiety, depression, anger. Where do you think all that stuff is actually from besides, I mean, the easy answer is they're godless. Okay. Right. But, but what, what keeps fueling that anxiety and the and the depression the anger that's out there i think a lot of it is just a lot of uncertainty i believe i'm just like where the world is going what's going on there's a lot of stuff with like all the social media influencers stuff like that you have to look a certain way you have to act a certain way you have to be a certain way and a lot of this generation is not that way so then they are comparing themselves to all these people who seem like they're I- the ideal person. So and I think that's where a lot of the anxiety comes from. Um, and then anxiety usually brings about the rest of the stuff, depression, you know, anger, stuff like that. I think that usually follows after because there's always some form of anxiety that starts it off, I believe. I think your first word there is, I think, encapsulated uncertainty. I, I think when whenever there's uncertainty, you act in a certain way. Oh, yeah. And and the funny thing is, you were made to never experience uncertainty in the most important areas. Yep. For example, God's plan for a marriage is, I am committed to my wife. She is committed to me. There's no uncertainty in that relationship. None. Yeah. Now, if there is uncertainty, you're going to have anxiety. Oh, absolutely. So, uncertainty... God made certain things so so you don't have to be uncertain, if I can use the word in that way. Uh, your gender. You don't have to be uncertain about it. Yeah. You're a male or a female. That's the way God made you. And that's the yeah. way it, it 
should stay. Yeah. Now, does this make sense to you at your age, what I'm saying, or is this like, boy, that's really out in left field? This makes sense to me, but I think that comes down to the way I was raised more maybe than others. My mom and dad are like, this is the way it is. This is the way it goes. This is what the Bible teaches you. This is the way you're going to live. And I but was like, but okay. even even more than that, do you do you see any way? E- even if somebody came to you and said, "I wasn't raised that way," so so I think there's right. more than one gender. There's 184 of them. Right. Which then I would try to direct them back to the truth. Okay. Which the truth, as it says in John 8, is the truth will set you free, and that is Jesus Christ. And I try to help direct them toward that way, um, right. because that's really the only way that can heal them is right. the truth of Jesus. So you keep going back to certainties. You you keep right. saying. Here's the certainty. You know, there is a God. That's for sure. It is for sure. And he loves you. That's for sure. Yes. Okay, well, that takes a lot of anxiety right out of the window. Yeah. Jesus Christ died so that you could have salvation. You could be in God's family. That's, there's no uncertainty there. He died so that you could be, there's no uncertainty there. (laughs) Yeah. So when somebody lives in uncertainty, they're looking at the wrong things. Uh, Maybe they're looking at money. Money's not certain. And money can't buy you things that are certain. For example, my wife had cancer, has cancer. Um, I don't know how to say that anymore. She's been treated for cancer. She's still being tested for cancer. She might have cancer. I don't know where she is right. on it. She's doing well right at this moment. Yeah. But the bottom line really is money can't cure it. Yeah, that's true. Now, what is certain? I, death? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So if I want to live as if death is not certain, I can't be healthy. No, because death is very certain. Yes, it's more certain than life, actually. (laughs) I mean, when you think about it, I have no guarantee that I'll be around tomorrow. I have a guarantee that I'll die someday. Very, very true. Okay, so once again, if I want to live in the realm of uncertainty, that causes anger, depression, anxiety it causes that yep so i need to look at the things that are certain and then prepare for them uh, the thing you said earlier you beat your head on a rock for <laughs> certain you're going to get a headache oh yeah okay don't beat your head on a rock that's the answer you don't need to do that yep uh, don't beat your head on a rock and pray and ask god to make the head not hurt because that's not how it works yeah uh, certainty so in relationships there should be relational certainty yes there should be And again, with my wife with cancer, some say, well, your relationship isn't certain she could die. No, the certainty is that we will both die. That's the certainty. The certainty is that we will be committed to each other until we die. Yep. Okay, so that's the certainty. That's what you rest in. And, And if you have none of that out there, you have no rest. You have no certainty. Yeah. And so you go to a doctor and you say, I need medication. Because I am anxious, I am depressed, and I'm angry because I live in a world that's uncertain and I keep looking to the uncertain to try and find certain, and I certainly am not finding it. Certainly, I'm not. Yeah, there you go. Let's, <laughs> let's play with the word, uh, as I love playing with words. Well, I think that's, that's very enlightening, actually, when you start looking at something like that. I, I think someone your age, you get it, I get it. Yep. We're not saying anything overly revealing here. It's it's like no, no. There is government certain. Uh. No, it isn't. <laughs> no. You answered it with the first. Uh, I don't even know how to answer it. 
in order for something to have the quality of being certain, there has to be a definition that's clear. Right. That's all. Yeah. So, like marriage, to be certain, a man, a woman, committed to each other for life. Yep. Okay, that's pretty certain. Now now that brings certainty. Yep. Um, children, you know, wh- whatever it might be. Um, certain, certain, certain. There are things that come up that, that are going to be certain. Yeah. And that's where you put your hope in. And I can narrow it down to God is certain, death. Some people might say taxes. I mean, yes, but... <laughs> well, here's the funny part. If taxes are certain, then prepare for it. Exactly. Now you don't have anxiety. I... There's dates on the calendar that specifically tell you what tax days are. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know they're coming. It's like... Just prepare for it. Yeah. I, I remember when we uh, were working. We were younger here, and we were, a bunch of us were just getting houses. And, and, of course, I knew when you have a house, you have property taxes, you have... Yeah, insurance. You have all that kind of stuff, so you got to pay for all that stuff somehow. Yeah, and I remember uh, a, a, one of the younger guys built a house, and a year later he's saying, "Oh man, I'm in trouble. You know, I have my property taxes. I don't have any money for it." And I, I remember looking. I'm going, "You didn't save for it?" Well, I knew it was coming. I okay, okay, certainty. Yeah. Now you have anxiety, depression, and anger because there was something that was certain. That you didn't prepare for. Yeah. Okay. That problem, here's how we could fix that problem. We, we could lend you money to pay that bill. But then we have to have a, we have to have something in place for preparing for the certainty of next year's taxes. Yep. Because that's going to happen. And likewise, there's income taxes. And there's, you know, you're going to have to buy food to eat. Yeah. Those are all things that are certain, so we need to we need to do that. Kind of interesting. Um, what we try and do is shelter children from any uncertainty. Yeah, which, which, which is I think that brings about more anxiety and stuff like that. Yeah, I think that doesn't prepare them at all in any in much way. So then when they go out into the world, they're like, oh no, I have to pay taxes for the first time ever. I really don't know how to do this. You yeah. know, kind of a thing. Yeah. Do you have a credit card? I do not. Okay. I have a debit card. Okay. And that's that's your preference, whatever it might be. Yeah. I remember when our kids were younger, we gave them a, um, I wanted to, to see how they could use credit. Yeah. But that was me as a dad. You yeah. know, here's the certainty I know. When you spend money, you got to pay the bill. Yeah. I, I mean, that's that's the certainty. So if you spend money and you don't have any way to pay it, you have anxiety, depression, anger coming because yeah. <laughs> now you have the bills hanging over your head. Yep. But so I would give them a, their first credit card had like two hundred dollar total limit on it because I figured I'll cover it if if there's a disaster there you can't yeah. be responsible. I don't want you to have too much or it was even a hundred dollars. I don't even remember uh, enough for them to get gas yeah. at that point in the car and you know and then they, if they paid it off they could get that they could keep getting gas yep. by their credit card. They both did extremely well with the credit. Um, now I've had a credit card since college. And I've never really paid any interest on it. So I'm not somebody who's affected by credit cards making you spend money you don't have. Right. I just use it for the convenience of not having to carry cash. Correct. I understand some people can't deal with that. that yeah. If they have a credit card, they're going to spend more than they have. And that credit card debt is deadly. You can go it on is, it real fast. Oh, and it's deadly. <clears throat> so somebody young like yourself, I would say, uh, you know, I would never advocate for you getting one. Yeah. 
However, I would advocate for you getting a credit card with a limit on it to see how you do. Right. Now, again, I'm living in the certainty realm. The certainty is it has to be paid. I'm not certain as to how you respond to credit. I want to see how you respond to credit. And I think that's a, a way to work it so that you don't have to jump off a bridge <laughs> you know, one day because yeah. you owe so much money. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's probably the reason I don't have a credit card. I'm not sure how I would handle it. Yeah, well, as an older guy, I'm telling you, you could learn by getting one with a very limited limit on it. Right. Limited limit. <laughs> <laughs> Forget these words. They just slip <laughs> out of my mouth, and who knows who knows what happens. Um, it, let me ask you another question. If today, if you knew that you had like a, a, a week left of life, mm-hmm. what, 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 what would you want to do? One week left. I know. I didn't give you time to think about it. So it's like, oh, man, I got to decide that now. Right. Well, just off the cuff. I mean, I understand it could change tomorrow if you actually thought about right. it. But. Honestly, I'd want to spend that last week with my family. Okay. Um, I'd want all of them there, which, you know, some of them would have to move back to town, um, stuff like that, which I think you would think my last week. And if I can tell them that as well. You would yeah. hope they would want to come back and spend that with me as well. So, which I I believe they would. Cool. Cool. I got when when you look at a verse in the Bible, Ecclesiastes twelve one, it says this: Remember also the Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come, and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. What do you think that verse means? What what first of all, what did what would it mean to Remember your creator in the days of your youth. I think that maybe might highlight your mom and dad. Okay. But I think ultimately they might highlight our father in heaven. Yeah. Because um, I think the youth is really when you are setting up your life, obviously. Yep. Um, for what you're going to be doing, following the Lord or, you know, following the world. Yeah. The word remember there pretty much means uh, be mindful, mention. In other words, as a child, you keep acknowledging the fact that there's a God. Yep. That's what you keep doing. And when you do that as a child, what you're actually doing is you're you're mentioning the certainty. Yes. Constantly. Because mom and dad, they may be there until they get old and they but they may not be. Yep. Mom and dad actually aren't certain. Their relationship with you while they're alive should be something that's certain. But because death can take anybody they are always uncertain in a certain way. So so if you look at them and you go, oh, I want to base my certainty on my mom and dad. <clears throat> no, that's not going to work. Yeah. So from the time you're young to mention who God is, to talk about who God is, to continue to remind yourself that there's a God, what that does is bring certainty in the middle of all the stuff that you really can't make certain. And that allows you to go through all this other stuff. And then it goes on and, and it just talks about, remember the creator days of your youth before evil days come and years draw near of which you will say I have no pleasure in them. There are there are moments that are tough in life. I, I don't care who you are. There's there, When my dad died, he died very suddenly, had a heart attack, he was gone. I didn't yep. get to say goodbye to him. I didn't, you know, just gone. Yep. Well, that's tough, you know, and, and I understand what the saying here. If I hadn't remembered the Creator in my youth, yep. then when the days get tough, I'm sitting there going, what's with this God? How come you did this God? Yep. Well, 
I never even knew who God was in my youth because I've ignored him. Then the normal parts of life happen, and I'm not prepared for him. And, and so I need to remember God when I'm young. And what I get to do as an older guy is, is come to guys your age and say, you need to remember who God is now. You need to know who he is now because, again, your, your, your group, your, your culture, anxiety, depression, anger, mm-hmm. you're, you're focusing on the uncertainties of life. So now you've got to go find pleasure in food. Or lack of food. You have to go find pleasure in sex. You have to go find pleasure in alcohol. You have to go find pleasure in sports or something. You have to find pleasure somewhere. But there's no certainty in any of those things. Nope. So you have to keep doing them over and over again because you're searching for certainty. Yep. Which then you get dragged deeper into that uncertainty. It, absolutely. And, and so now one day you're sitting there going, everything in my life is uncertain. <laughs> Very, yeah. And 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 I have anxious moments over it. Yep. Yep, you do. <laughs> because you're not focusing on the certain. Remember also the creator in the days of your youth. And it goes on in the second verse. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after rain. And the day, it goes on to say, you know, there are times. There, there are just, there, there are going to be times where you are going to wonder. Because things are going to be like, oh my goodness, everything in life is falling apart. Yep. That can happen. But I promise you this, God will not fall apart. He does not fall apart. That's the certainty. And and to, to understand that at a young age means that you will end up being somebody who has all kinds of um, early wisdom that's going to keep you from all kinds of stupid things in life <laughs> that, that you won't have to deal with later. Yeah. And and that's my goal, I think, if I want to stay away from all that remediation stuff, no matter what, and try and have all the preventative stuff. Um, what What is your daily habit for you? Do you do you uh, read the Bible? Do you read the Bible through every year? I mean, what do you do? Um, I read the Bible. I usually do a devotion, um, either with myself or with a friend. Um, so I'm reading, usually okay. just in random spots, obviously, wherever the devotion is guiding me to. Right. Um, so I would say that obviously it will look different all the time. Uh, I love reading in Matthew. Um, okay. Matthew is something I really enjoy. The Beatitudes, all that stuff, something that really is good. I, I really, really love reading it. Okay. And, and when you say you love reading it, is it because it's just a, a nice flow of words or what does it do to you? It just brings about like certain things that, you know, maybe I didn't see or read in the other and like there's some of the other, there's other cha- chapters or books in the Bible that you read it and you're just like, nah, I'm more confused. Right. And I don't understand what's going on. I read Matthew and it kind of flows a little bit better. Um, I think that's why I like it. Luke too. Luke also flows better um, than maybe like Mark and John. Okay. Uh, it's interesting. As you go through Matthew, he was a government guy, tax collector, uh, details in certain ways. And yep. so you must like that kind. But you like reading. I love to read. So somebody's listening now, and they, they just don't read. Yeah. And and they have to flip page to page on their computer, their iPad, or phone, and they're not reading anymore. What would you tell them? What are they missing? I mean, why read? When you read, you you can, especially if you read in general, I love to read paper. So okay. 
I don't even like to really read on electronics or anything like that. I love a good book in my hand, good, solid thing. And I love the fact that I can read a page and I'm like, well, what's going to happen the next page, you know? So I could keep flipping it. And I understand that some people hate reading or they just don't like it in general. But I would encourage them even to like read out loud maybe for a couple pages because then you can start to visualize what's going on more, which I most of the time that helps I think people continue to read because when they're reading and they're like, I really, this is stupid, this is boring, I don't want to do it. Then they have that mindset ready, which then it's taking over their mindset. <clears throat> so then now when they're reading, they're not paying attention to what they're reading. They're thinking about something else. Right. So I think when you go into the reading and your mindset is more sound, I think that always helps as well. Okay. You know, I think you just des- described an American mind frame very much. <laughs> um, because Not everyone in America, by the way, but, but yeah. we read. Yep. I mean, I, I've talked about you need to read the Bible. Yep. There are some other cultures where missionaries have gone into and they've tried to get them to read, but they don't read. Yeah. They just don't read. They don't read anything. So they could say, I want you to read these verses, come back and we'll discuss them. And they come back and they haven't read them. Yeah. Because they don't read. What they do is they pass everything on orally. Yeah. So what they've, they've discovered there, these missionaries, they have to give them the Bible orally. Yeah. They'll listen to it. Yep. And they'll respond to it, just like you and I do reading. So some of it's cultural in how we do things. <clears throat> yeah. Um, not everybody writes it down and, <laughs> and reads. And some of it is that some cultures, they didn't learn to read. Yeah. Which I've seen in my life as well. If I read a book and I'm reading some chapters even with people, sometimes you pay attention a little bit more because then like, all of a sudden it's your turn to read. And if I was daydreaming, I'm like, oh, where am I? And you don't want to feel embarrassed, you know, something like that. So it helps you focus, I think, a little bit more to actually what's being read. Yep. Well, as a teacher, I've worked a lot with people helping them to read in time. I used to teach fifth grade, so you, you would help people <laughs> read. Yeah. And read faster, read better. What I've discovered is you need to learn to read faster if you're struggling with your mind wandering. Yep. Because the slower you read, your mind works at a, at a, at a warp speed. So the slower you read, the more you're going to daydream about other things and not remember what you read. So you need to read faster. Yep. And that would be my encouragement to you, read faster. If you're going to listen to a book, I would suggest listening to it on some kind of app that would allow you to speed it up. So... One and a half times is probably good. Not, not if you can understand two, and that's fine. Some, some of the apps actually will adjust the tone too, so you, yeah. you don't get craziness. Um, but I would say the faster you can read, or the faster you can listen to something, the more you're going to retain. Yeah. And and really, that's a very important thing to grab a hold of and understand. Um, but you need to be reading. The other thing is, if you're having trouble reading, you're reading the wrong content. Yes. So there's something. When I was growing up as a kid, I hated reading until I found biographies. And then I started reading Abraham Lincoln and, and George Washington, and I couldn't put them down. You know, it's like I had to find the right books. Yep, you do. And I think that just with a lot of things in life, you got to find the right thing to be able to drive you forward. Right. And so if you found a bunch of books you're not going to read, put them on the side <laughs> and uh, keep looking for different kinds till you get there. Yep. Well, thanks again for listening. I'm Dave Wager here as your host in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolet Bible Institute. You've been listening to a program, Younger and Older, 
And uh, I appreciate Q90 playing this on the radio station there in Green Bay and, and, and encourage you to go check out their website and their radio programs as well as the podcasts that you can find on our website, silverbirchranch.org. Goodbye for now.